the Pin the Pan on the Promised Land is our new series this month. Uh, we're talking this month about vision. Uh, I think I said it last week, I tried to call the series 2020 um, to go along with probably every other church in North America, um, but I was quickly shut down because it was slightly too cliche. Um, however, it is about 2020. This month is about vision, um, and we're talking really about understanding and, and setting our attention onto what God would have us this month. Um, and how many of you know the concept that the way that you start something is typically the way that you will complete that thing? And a lot of the times, people don't or they continue to repeat past things from past years simply because they don't have a plan as to how they're going to change it. And now, we're not actually going to talk about the plan tonight. Um, the plan will be this coming up week. Um, tonight, we're going to talk about the pin uh, and for some of you who don't know, you don't know why we would call it the pin. Uh, how many of you know when you're using your Google Maps or your Apple Maps guy uh, that where you are, you can pin your current location? And uh, yes, there you go. For those of you who had no idea why we called it the pin, there's the explanation. <laughs> we need to have like explanation paragraphs as to why we call our series what we do. Uh, but I've realized that we talk a lot about getting a plan, right? We talk a lot about executing a plan, the steps to being successful in your plan. But I think one of the things that I've found most often is, is that it's really the, the challenge of getting a plan, I think for most people, is the difficulty in understanding where they are. Who they are, where they are, what's happening in their life. What's holding them back from being the people that they would so desire to be? And the scripture that I'm going to use tonight is in Acts chapter 1. Uh, it, it's kind of an under-read passage of scripture, only because typically if you're reading the beginning of the book of Acts, you're reading the beginning of the book of Acts because you're really interested in the entrance of the Holy Spirit. Um, but there's a little bit of a tidbit of information here that happens, you know, a few verses before that I think is really important for us as we embark on our new journey with Jesus. That how many of you are aware that oftentimes Jesus isn't overly concerned with our comfort, our plans, our own ideas of how we'd like things to go? How many of you would say that's a very familiar Generally, when you come to Christianity, you feel like God's just going to empower you to be the best, and then you realize God was always interested in really just using you to get other people to him. And, 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 and this is really kind of what was happening in the book of Acts right here, is you have to understand that when Jesus was on the earth, uh, really the, the relationship that he had as the Messiah was the Jewish people had always expected that the Messiah was going to come down and liberate the Jewish people in a physical manner. That he was going to come and he was going to overthrow whatever oppressive government or dictatorship or king or ruler was currently occupying that territory and oppressing them. And, 
and they had this idea that the Messiah was going to come, and he was going to liberate them from this, that he was going to maybe come down with angels or armies, or I don't necessarily think they knew, but whatever it was, their expectation, and, and I think really a huge reason why the disciples followed Jesus was their expectation that he was going to be the liberator. Then Jesus throws a curveball, and he dies. <laughs> and this was the, the point when all the disciples scatter. Sometimes we think that they scatter in a negative manner because they're without faith. They're without, you know, all these different things. But the reality is, is that they had an idea that things were going to go a certain way, and they didn't. And we find them scattered. Then we know the story. Uh, Jesus comes and he dies and he's resurrected and he comes to the tomb and Mary goes to the tomb and he's out of the tomb and they say, go tell him. And he says, go tell my disciples and Peter and all this happens. And they have this reconciliation. And we find ourselves in Acts chapter 1 verse 6. Because the disciples think Jesus has now raised himself from the dead and now clearly it must be the time that you are going to send the angelic Marine special force black ops team and take out the enemy. And this is what it says in verse 6. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Sometimes it bums me out the way Jesus responds, you know? I feel like he's one of those guys who, you know, he knows that he knows, and he knows that you don't know, and he really just digs it in there, you know? He says this, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses telling people about me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And after this... Right, you got to imagine, the disciples are partying because their commander-in-chief, their general, has just really done the impossible, really solidified in their minds that he truly is the Messiah. You know, they scattered because they weren't sure. But now they're feeling his hands, and they're feeling his side, and they're like, without a doubt, the time is now. It says this in verse 9. After this, he was taken up into a cloud, and they could no longer see him. <laughs> so put yourself in the scripture, right? I mean, put yourself, uh, this is one of the things that I love to do when I read the scriptures, is I read them, I imagine myself in this. You know, I'm at this meeting, and I'm thinking, this is Jesus going to launch his campaign, and it ends by him, like, floating up into the sky, disappearing. And I honestly would have done what the disciples did. And the scripture says they just stood there, like, <laughs> he's coming back, right? <laughs> and imagine how, you know, because it says in the scripture, it says, you know, they, stand, they stood there waiting, and then two white robed men suddenly stood there among them, Right? And we would imagine, I'm thinking like God in heaven, I, I, they probably were staying there for a while, right? To the place where God's like, these guys aren't moving. Like, 
you got to just send some angels down there to get these guys going because Jesus isn't coming back the way you think he's coming back. And this would be, this is probably one of the biggest bummers in the Bible <laughs> because I think that these disciples stand there a bit like a lot of us as we find ourselves in our journey with God. We can find ourselves, we know that God has a great plan. We know that God, I, I mean, the scripture is full. Every page full of promises of what our promised land will look like. But I think that a lot of us find ourselves standing like those disciples, just feeling like, I don't even know where to begin. I feel like I would love to do the plan, but I don't even know where I'm at to be able to start going after that plan. And, and I wanted to talk a little bit about this tonight because uh, Wednesday nights we're trying to do it a little bit more practical. Um, and, and, I, and I'm going to ask you to write the questions down in a little bit, but I've got, I think it's five questions to ask you. Um, and I think that really what my intention is, this is a very popular theme in the world today, really about becoming self-aware. Uh, and I think that sometimes that can seem very selfish, and, and I think that it, it can definitely spawn off into a lot of things where people become very consumed with themselves and whatnot. But I've become so aware that unless we know where we are and who we are, we're going to have a really difficult time getting to where God desires us to be. And so I, I, we're going to ask a couple of questions to ourselves tonight. You can ask them tonight, tomorrow, whenever you feel comfortable. And really what they are is they are questions to spawn some thought to begin to understand who am I and what has God actually put on the inside of me. Because I think that if we're to be honest with ourselves, uh, one of the biggest struggles that most people face, I would venture to say, Almost every single adult that I've ever met struggles to understand what, what do I want to do with my life? What am I passionate about? What do I, I say it like this, what do I not suck at? You know, like, I'm really looking to figure out what are some of the things that I'm just generally good at doing so that I can kind of be good at the future that I have. And this isn't just a young person issue. Although we see, I think people are a little bit more transparent about it as they're younger. But I often talk with people in their 40s and their 50s. And really people, I think at every stage of life, because I think we're connected to an infinite being. I think that our heart always knows that there's more to this life than what we're currently experiencing. And I think this is sometimes the concept or the problem when we talk about the concept of a life purpose itself. Because I think when we ask ourselves these questions like, what should I do with my life? Or, what is my life's purpose? I mean, that's a pretty loaded question. You know? Like, I'm going to set the rest of the trajectory of my natural existence. I'm going to drag my children through the decisions that I'm about to make. I'm 18. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I could figure this one out. But I think that what I want to do tonight is I want to kind of break it down in a little bit easier of a fashion. And that is 
to ask ourselves this question, what can I do with my time that's important? Because I think this is an infinitely better question to ask because I think it's more manageable. That it doesn't carry the baggage of trying to make a decision that's going to set and project the trajectory of the rest of your life. Because I realize that too often we can waste our days contemplating the cosmic significance of our life. Instead of actually using the time that we have to live out a purpose right now. I think that was one of the biggest things that the Lord took me on a journey of this year is, is I call it learning how to be present. Learning how to live in the moment that I spend so much of my life living five, ten years in the future. But the problem was is that I was wasting all of my moments waiting and planning and assessing what life was going to be like in the future instead of realizing that I could do great things right now. Because I don't want to try to answer some of these questions that are impossible. I want to begin to answer some of these questions that can affect my life right now. And so, like I said, I put together a series of questions. Really, the questions are to help us understand what is important to us. What are the passions that God has placed on the inside of our heart? And what can we do to add more meaning to our life? Now, when you hear these questions, you're going to realize, if you know me, this is going to be obvious, the questions are slightly ridiculous in the way they are worded. And I worded them in this manner because one of the things that I have learned is that when, we, when we're searching the right way, determining and defining the purpose of God in our life should be something that's fun and interesting, not a chore. Okay? So here it is. Question number one. I'm going to move quickly through these. <laughs> They're actually not that bad. Okay? Question number one. What's your favorite flavor of sacrifice sandwich? Okay? Now, you might not understand this, but this is, this is probably the, one of the most important questions that you'll ever answer. What is the flavor of sacrifice sandwich that I would like to eat? Because can I tell you uh, a little truth that I have learned about life? And this is one of those truths, you know, that they don't tell you at, like, high school pep rallies, you know, at the feel-good meetings, um, that everything sucks some of the time. Right? Okay. Now, you might be thinking, this is so out of character for you. Typically, you're so optimistic, you know, Mr. Negative. You need to turn that frown upside down. But I've realized something is that understanding this concept is very liberating, and it can be very liberating, liberating because everything in life requires sacrifice. Okay? Everything in life requires a cost. Everything in life is going to have really amazing moments, and it's also going to have really, really challenging times. And I think that sometimes we have defined the purpose of God in our life by something that is only and always going to be favorable and enjoyable. If that was the case, 
I have never found the plan of God <laughs> for my life. Why? Because the reality is, is that everything in life is going to require, it's like the saying, everything good in life is going to require you to pay something to get it. Right? That greatness is only achieved because it costs you something in order to get there. So the question that I began to ask myself is, is this, what struggle or sacrifice do I prefer? What struggle or sacrifice am I good at? Because ultimately, answering this question will determine our ability to stick with something that we care about. It's not, can we endure the good days, right? How many of you in here have a difficult time having a good time on good days. Anybody, right? How many of you have gone to Disney and you really tried to feel good about, no one has to do that. It's our ability to handle the difficult seasons as we walk through things. It's our ability to ride out the rotten days that gives us our ability to actually get to the promised land. How many of you know that the Israelites had to walk through the desert in order to get to the promise? How many of you know that Jesus had to go through the cross in order to get to his glorious ascension to heaven? So it's not God's plan isn't this indication to me that it's all going to be roses and dandelions. But it's my ability to understand how do I go through, and didn't dandelions, that's weird. Hopefully it's not dandelions. <laughs> Roses and some other flower that you like to have in your yard. It's my dad with the dandelion battle. It's in my head. I'm preparing for spring. <laughs> but this is the thing. If you want to be a professional artist, but you aren't willing to see your work rejected a hundred times, it's probably not a good plan to be if you want to be like a crack shot lawyer like harvey specter right but you don't want to work 80 hour work weeks it's probably not a good idea to go down that road but the question is what unpleasant experiences am i able to handle and enjoy can I stay up coding all night long? If you can, you should probably start a tech company. Are you able to put off having a family for 10 years? Are you able to have people laugh you off a stage night after night? Right? These are all important questions that we have to ask ourselves to become aware of who we are and what we can handle. Because this is the reality, is that we're all going to eat a sacrifice sandwich eventually, but the amazing part is this, is that your sandwich is your advantage because anything that you are willing to do that someone else isn't willing to do or is unable to do, that gives you an advantage or a leg up to actually achieving the goal that you have in this insight. Okay. And so there's no condemnation. You may not want to work 80-hour work weeks. That's okay. But don't try and don't set a plan to be something that requires something that you are unwilling to give. 
because it's only going to end in failure, disappointment, discouragement, and you're not going to get to the place of promise. Number two, what is true about you today that would make your eight-year-old self cry? Okay. When I was a child, I used to love to play with Legos. Okay. It was pretty much a gift that I would get all the time from my parents, and I would sit in my room for hours, and I would, I really would like build myself Lego worlds. Okay, I would have like the space world, and the pirate world, and the off-road car world, and this is what I did all the time. And, and not because I wanted anybody to see them, not because I wanted to impress my parents or my friends with how smart I was in order to figure things out. I built Legos just because of the sheer joy of building the Lego, right? I loved Legos. Ben and I, we share camaraderie because we love building Legos. His kids are now at the age of Legos, and I'm trying to get Lola to grow up faster so I can buy her Legos. Whether she likes them or not, she's going to get Legos. And then for some reason, I stopped, and I don't remember why. But I realized something. We all have a tendency to lose touch with what we loved as a child. I don't know if it's something about, you know, social pressure. You know, I don't know if it's something about this, you know, responsibility that when we get into our early adulthood, there's this responsibility. And, and a lot of the times what this does is it squeezes the passion out of us because the cultural expectations are a lot of the times, you know, at a crossroads of where our passion actually takes us. That we're taught that the only reason to do something is if we're somehow compensated for doing that thing. But the funny, the funny thing is, though, is that if my eight-year-old self was to ask my 34-year-old self why I don't build Legos anymore, that makes me want to cry. It, it doesn't, actually. I just want to see your reaction. That was cute. And I replied, you know, because I'm not good at it, or because nobody would care what I built, or... Because you can't make money, little buddy, <laughs> building Lego cars. Not only would I have been completely wrong, but I most likely would have made that eight-year-old version of myself start to cry. And that's because the eight-year-old versions of ourselves, they don't plan according to logic. They don't plan according to networking. They're not concerned with your retirement plan or your Christmas bonus. All they want to do is play. And one of the things that research shows us is that passion and our passion for things in life always is birthed out of a sense of play. And it's amazing how if I would have taken notes from eight-year-old Alex, I don't build Legos anymore and I don't care. Even if that little guy was to come to me and say, why don't you build Legos anymore? I'd be like, shut up, little guy, you're dumb. <laughs> but I do realize something is that I don't build Legos anymore but I do help people build and rebuild their lives in Christ. And so a lot of the times, these old versions of ourselves, these passions that we saw maybe in things are really cues for us. Maybe not the exact thing, but they're cues to us. Which leads me to my next question. Question number three. We're running out of time. Number three. What makes you forget to eat? Okay? We've all had this experience. Mike and I, we call it the vortex. Okay? It's like when we're building stuff, we're doing something, and, you know, you get so wrapped up in this thing that minutes turn into hours, 
and hours turn into, holy cow, I forgot to eat dinner, okay? And this is actually um, Isaac Newton, Sir Isaac Newton, in his prime. It's said about him that his mother would regularly have to go, you know, into his room and collect him and remind him to eat because he would be so wrapped up in doing the, you know, the, obviously we know, if you know him scientifically, the amazing things that he was doing. And I used to be like this when I played hockey. I used to be like this. And honestly, it probably wasn't a good thing. Uh, and for many years, hockey was actually my problem because I, I always wanted to play hockey. And somehow my parents let me do this. God bless you. Because they knew they were like really powering that thing on the inside of me. I would re- go play hockey and I wouldn't study. You know, I would go hockey, play hockey, and I wouldn't shower. I would go play hockey and I wouldn't talk to any other humans. Uh, And it really was a negative thing, but I realized something that when I stopped playing hockey, when I gave up the sport, was 18 or whatever, and just was done with it, I realized that my passion wasn't actually for the sport itself. That my passion was for my self-improvement. To see myself improve and to see people around me improved. I loved the challenge of being good at something and finding out a new way to get better at that thing. Now what happens is, and maybe for you it's something else. Maybe you love organization, okay? Maybe you love reading and you get colossed in this fantasy world. Maybe you love teaching people things. Maybe you love to solve technical problems, okay? All the things that we're passionate about can be a number of different things. And that's really what understanding the pin is all about, is it's understanding that all these different things are gonna make us different people and our paths are all gonna look different. But it's so valuable for us to understand that these cues about where we saw passion in our younger years are cues to help us understand who are we on the inside. That if we don't just look at the activities of the things that we used to do, but we look behind the cognitive principles, right? Like what was happening and what was that thing that was actually drawing me to desire to give all this time to playing hockey? And I find that and I go after that. It's amazing how I could begin to find passion in those areas. Because when I find that passion, those things, those desires in myself are easily applied in other areas. Number four, almost done. Number four, how are you going to save the world? Okay. In case you haven't realized it lately, you, maybe you don't watch the news or you live in a bubble. Uh, the world has a few problems. And by a few, I mean, everything is crazy. And chances are, we're probably going to have World War III, right? <laughs> or, at least what the, or at least what the media tells us. And we talked about this over the summer in the, pr- the, the pursuit of happiness, is that research shows us that in order to have a happy and a healthy life, we must be a part of something that's greater than ourself, our pleasures, or our satisfaction. That people who uh, uh, express that they love their life, one of the main things about them is they're a part of something that's larger than themselves. And here's the reality. You ask yourself this question, how do I want to save the world? And there's a million right answers to those questions, right? You want to start an orphanage. You love the homeless. You love mental health. You love economic development. You want to affect the education system. Here's the reality. Find a problem 
that you feel passionate towards and start seeking God about how we can solve that problem. Now, obviously, you're not going to solve the world's problems on yourself. Okay, don't take on that responsibility. You're not going to solve them. But here's the reality, is that we can be effective contributors when we allow the passion of God in our heart to be expressed. We can become passionate and effective participants in the transformation of some of these issues that we would see and desire to change. Number five, you with me? Maybe we could send out these questions in an email. If you haven't signed up for our email, you can sign up after service today. Three, what makes you forget to eat? <laughs> forget the question, forget to eat, same thing. Number five, if you knew, this is slightly morbid, so please follow me to the end. If you knew you were going to die one year from today, what would you do and how would you want to be remembered? Okay, now most of us, we don't like to think, talk about death. We don't like to think about death. It's freaky and we don't like to talk about it. But one of the advantages of thinking about this is it forces us to zero in on what actually is important to me. This was a really popular thing a few years back. I don't know if it was a Christian thing or if it was, a, I don't know. I heard about it in a Christian world. Uh, but it was that people started to write their own obituaries. Okay? This is, I don't know why. People are strange, man. Just the things that they do. But it was actually, I wrote my own obituary. Uh, I lost it, and so I can't go back and read it. Uh, it was definitely a fun thing to do. Um, but a lot of the times when people would read them, it was generally vague and boring. Um, <laughs> But the reality was, is that it did cause me to begin to think about and assess some of these things that were actually important to me. That it really began me down a journey of reevaluating the priorities that were in my life. And really, my life began to change, and I began to straighten things out in my life when I began to ask myself some of these, like, end-of-life questions, right? Like, what is my legacy going to be? I was just having a conversation with Danielle this morning. We were talking about legacy and how, you know, when you live beyond yourself, this idea. When you start asking your questions of like, what are the stories that people are going to tell about you when you're gone? What is your obituary going to say? What would you like it to say? And how can we start working towards those things today? Now, here's the thing. If you fantasize about your obituary saying stuff, that is going to impress a bunch of random people who you don't know, you've totally missed the whole point of this message. But the questions always are asking ourselves, how do we find out? How do we, at the end of our life, be the people? I think about this with men and women in the scriptures. And they're so amazing to me because their stories, some of the stories that we read about and the people that we talk about died like 6,000 years ago. And I think about this and I realize that it's the decisions that I'm making. It's the awareness of who I am in these moments as I begin to become self-reflective and I plan for 2020 is, is I'm not just planning for like another year with my expectation that it's just going to be another year. But I'm planning, asking myself these questions because I honestly want to create a legacy for myself and my children when I do end up leaving this earth. 
Most people feel like they have no sense of direction or purpose in their life simply because they don't know what's important to them. They don't really know what in life they should value. And when you don't know what to value, all you can do is try to grab onto things that are important to other people. But I tell you something, trying to love something that someone else loves because someone else loves it is a one-way ticket to eventual misery. Okay? Because when we want to discover the purpose and the passion of what God has on the inside of us, it's going to look different. Right? This is why the Bible talks to us and tells us that we're the body of Christ. Is that every single one of us looks different, we love differently, we act differently. We want to be somewhere at the end of our lives. If we all took 20 minutes right now and wrote an obituary, I could guarantee you one thing. Not a single one of our stories, we would desire them to look the same. And that's why, you know, we've handed out these questions that are going along with our fasting and our prayer. And I've given you these five questions. And really the intention behind them is simply that we would begin to honestly assess what are the amazing things that God has placed on the inside of me so that I can begin to plan out how to be the people, the person, the father, the husband, the pastor that I want to be and that God would have me to be. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for just your truth in our life. Lord, that we don't want to be like the disciples just standing around waiting. But Lord, we, we choose tonight to take action inside of this. We choose tonight to step into this role to understand, Lord, that you've given us all the tools that are necessary in order to really honestly become the people we desire to be. God, even as we answer these questions, as silly or strange as they may be, Lord, let them really spur us on to understanding who we are, the passions that are in our heart, the desires that we have, and the usefulness that you would like to see come through our life. Lord, we're thanking you for that, God, that 2020 is not just going to be another year, but God, it's going to be the start God, of the legacy, it's going to be the start of the amazing people that you desired us to be. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray your life was impacted by the service and that you were able to feel the tangible love of Jesus fill whatever space you're listening from. Maybe you found this message and you've never had the opportunity to come into a personal relationship with Jesus. Or you've known about him but have been far from him. We want to give you the opportunity to make his love a daily reality in your life. Jesus came to this earth and died on a cross so that you and I could be close to him. He wanted to wipe away every disappointment and bring you into a life of purpose and meaning, one that will impact this globe for good. So if you'd like to begin this journey with Jesus today, then repeat the simple prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I'm praying this prayer because I know that I've made mistakes and have been living without you. I apologize and I trust that you will forgive me. I accept your love and grace and ask that you would be my Lord and Savior. Help me believe in you and love you every day. Help me to show the world what you're like and how great your love is. I commit to live for you from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen. All of our Light City family are joining with heaven and celebrating over the commitment you just made to have Jesus as the Lord of your life. We have resources available for you to help you on this journey, but most of all, we're praying for you. Send us a note at info at golightcity.com to let us know about the decision you've made today. We have resources we'd love to send you uh, with some easy steps on how to go from here so that you can discover God in a real and meaningful way. 
If you have a prayer request, our team would love to connect with you and partner with you to see God transform your life. God bless you, and we look forward to hearing from you soon.